The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since sliced bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Now, that sounded like a compliment, didn't it? Getting my money's worth with this phone call? The phone call is free. The feedback was free. Didn't cost her anything. And she got her money's worth. You could extrapolate from that and say what she heard was worthless. I'm assuming she didn't mean that. But if you take it literally, that's what she said. Now, today is not E-Person Monday. I, normally it is, but last Monday we had we had a lot of calls, and because I'm going to be doing a little traveling, I figured i got to throw in some more live shows. There's a couple places where we're going to run least worst ofs, and because of that, talked to Andrew Kruchek, my producer man, talked him into dispensing with E-Person Monday and simply doing a live call-in show. So you can call in. Number 877 877- let that, let that settle in. 877-573-7825. Make it easy. 877-57-EQUAL. That's the number to call in. Question about the stuff of life. People, circumstances, emotions, discipline, children, adult offspring, Got an email that said, uh, Dr. Ray, I know you're not comfortable saying adult children. Yeah, because they're not children anymore. And he suggested adult offspring. I'm starting to weave that into my description. Adult offspring, parents, relatives, friends who once were friends but are now difficult friends. You got that situation. Happens a lot, doesn't it? Things were gone pretty good for, oh, just a little bit, maybe 34 years. And then... Started to go south, go sour. So those are the kinds of questions. The kinds of help is that if you call in and you say, and we get this a lot, I think it's very valuable, you get days off purgatory. If you say, I was in that situation, or here's what I heard to do about this, or here's another idea, or Dr. Ray, you fell completely short or flat on your face and I'm picking up the pieces, that's good. If you disagree with me, you jump the line. Turnstiles here, New York City subway, You jump the line. That's right. If you're going to disagree with me and you got a good point, I want to hear it. If I can't give you a rationale for why I said what I said, why I concluded what I concluded, why I thought what I thought, then I pretty much hadn't thought it through enough. And keeping in mind that when people call here, I don't have to think each call all over again because... Being a shrink as long as I have been, 
pretty much I hear variants of a lot of the same themes, little details switched here and there, but the overall theme of the problem or the life circumstance or the struggle or the emotion or whatever it is that is distressing an individual or perplexing them, but doesn't have to necessarily distress them. They may say, I got a question. I've heard. Not once. Not twice. Dozens or perhaps hundreds of times. So, number 877 57 equal. I had the chance some years ago to go to an absolutely monstrous family conference. The Wichita Catholic Family Conference. Held, not surprisingly, in Wichita, the convention center. When I got there, well, let me put it to you this way. For me, I have never sold as many books in any event. I've spoken to about 3,000. That's right. You're as old as I am. You only have to speak three a year to get to 3,000. Well, Teresa Tamio's got 5,000. Well, I'll, I'll let that one sit. And he, anyway... Never, never have I sold that many books. And there were 4,000 people at that conference. I don't know what their attendance is this year. I've had the privilege to be back a couple times. And the good Lord permitting, I know you folks in Wichita, the Catholic Radio Network, Jimmy O'Loughlin, all the folks there that have the stations, multiple stations in that network, um, hope to see you. I'll be doing a couple of talks, Laughter, the Sanity of Family, and the Logic of Being Catholic. And then they've got me on a panel. So that's kind of cool. If you want to go, I don't know if it's too late to sign up or not. I don't think so. It's this weekend. So you just go to their website, which is, um, well, I don't know it, but you can find it. It's Catholic, uh, Catholic Family Conference of Wichita. You put that in, it'll come up. We psychologists are very, very waskawi. When I was... In grad school, we could earn some extra money by being a psychological assistant. A research assistant is what we called ourselves. And the profs would do these experiments to try to understand or get a glimpse into the human psyche. And we, underlings, we, we would do the grunt work. A common theme in these was that what we told you the experiment was about was often not what the experiment was about. We told you that this is what we were looking at when, in fact, that was not what we were looking at. We were looking at something completely different. Now, one could bring up the point that's a lie. At that point, I was 23, 24, and I wasn't as deep into my faith or understood it as much. So I probably didn't wrestle with the idea that, hmm, we got a little bit of a possible struggle here. Nevertheless, so what we did. Now, this particular experiment that my wife sent to me the other day because she came across it was absolutely fascinating. And it followed the trajectory of you tell someone this is what we're looking at and experimenting about, but it isn't. 
So here's what they did. All right, hold on a second. Let me let me draw this up. I remember the experiment, so I can probably say it, but I want to just kind of look and get the refresher. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I have to use a phone, this is not now. Get the app. Not now. Okay, they did an experiment with a group of ladies. They put scars on their faces. These artificial scars. But they said, we want to find out when you go to a job interview, if there is discrimination because of facial disfigurement. All right, that was the purported goal of the experiment. Before the, the women left the room, because they were going to go in to get interviewed, I guess these were real interviews. I, I don't know. There's not enough details in this. But I'm going to assume these were real interviews. They said, wait a minute, we want to, we want to touch up your your scar. We want to make it look more, a little more realistic. Oh, that's what they said they were doing. What they were doing was removing the scar. So when the women went into the job interview, their face was perfectly unscarred. It was their face. They came back out after the interview, and there was a very intense sense of we were discriminated against because of the scar on our face. Absolutely. Furthermore, the interviewer asked questions and made comments that kind of were touching upon, no pun intended, the scars on our face. Uh Uh-huh. So what was the conclusion here? You know, when you write up a research study, you got to have a conclusion. you got to interpret your data. One interpretation is, if you set somebody up to be a victim, you are oppressed, you're going to be mistreated. They are hypersensitive to anything that would indicate, in their mind, now it's their mindset, that they are being discriminated against. In fact, there was no scar on these women's faces. They just did a job interview. I don't know what percentage came out and said we were discriminated against. And I don't know if there was, you get the job, you don't get the job. I I don't know if it was a, we'll call you back later. I don't know what it was. I don't even know if it was a setup interview. If that's the case, you, you got a little problem there because you don't, know exactly what the quasi-supposed interviewers are going to say. To be, to be most realistic, you need to have an actual job interview, and I suspect that's what it was. I don't know all the details of this study. I didn't read it in the journal. Let's extrapolate that. You have a relative who you're pretty convinced doesn't like you. Will you be more or less prone to interpret something they say as a slam? Whether they meant it as a slam or not. You've already got the mindset. The relationship is scarred, so to speak. So you're on the lookout. You're on the hereout. 
for someone to say something that just more or less confirms their view of you. Keep in mind, once you've decided that someone doesn't care for you, someone doesn't like you, you're going to be more prone to hear their dislike in things that they say, even if that is not at all what they meant always. All righty. Come on in. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number I would definitely like to hear from you. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant Revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellarmine had not his equal for learning. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. As a Catholic dad, I know how frustrating parenting can be, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's CatholicHOM.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day, get expert support with discipline issues, self-care, creating a stronger marriage, living your faith at home, or just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources, entertaining videos that teach your kids how to get along with each other and love the Lord, downloadable activities, monthly live parenting Q&As, a supportive community of faithful Catholic parents, and tons of other benefits, like my Beatitudes podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Again, that's CatholicHOM.com. I can't wait to see you there. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Dr. Rigorendi, a five-tooled all-star center fielder. That's my identity. Trapped in an aging psychologist's body. Thank you for joining me here. Number 877-573-7825. This is not E-Person Monday. This is Talk Back Monday. Talk to me Monday. Me Person Monday. You Person Monday. Talking to Jim from Doylestown. Says here he's a pa. No. No, that's Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Sorry about that. Hi, Jim. Hi, hi Doctor. Um, well, I'm calling because I need help. Uh, my granddaughter uh, is coming home this week from a 30-day uh, therapy uh, recovery inpatient uh, facility she's been diagnosed she's 18 years old 
She's been diagnosed as bipolar with rapid cycling, personality, borderline personality disorder, and since she's been a child, she's had uh, CD, art, that, I don't know, the RCD, I'm, I'm blanking on the letters. ADHD? ADHD, yes. I, I, I know I'm not looking for you to treat her. I'm looking for you to tell me what I can do, what I can expect, what her parents can expect, what we can do to help her. What got her into the inpatient setting, Jim? Uh, two trips to the, uh, well, one, she wanted to go because she didn't like who she was and what she was doing. And secondly, she was um, taken to the hospital twice for alcohol poisoning in the month before she went in. So they diagnosed her bipolar. Was she having manic episodes? You said rapid cycling. Was she having manic episodes? Was she hallucinating? Was she hearing voices? Was she out of her mind? She was. Um, she was. She, 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 no, she wasn't hearing. She wasn't doing any of that. But she was like uh, hyper, super. Uh, you know, running everything, uh, telling everybody what to do. Uh, and when she got to this facility, she didn't want to be there at first not for me after she had wanted to go there then it was okay it is for me I, I need the help and then it was like they were amazed at how she was doing all these uh, organizing everything she'd be up in the morning she'd have everybody's breakfast ready for them uh, so uh, they did a in-depth psychological profile of her and this was the uh, this was a diagnosis did you see all of this when she was 16 and 17 we saw a lot of it. We saw a lot of it. Her, her mother, especially, her mother's been saying since she's been three or four years old that that there's something that's just not right. Uh, and it was the then it was the ADHD. That's the thing that everybody kind of focused on. She was on that medication for that, and uh, and it, it's just it, it just has gotten worse. I mean, she. I mean, a couple of years ago, a dog died. Her dog. Uh, Two weeks later, we're sitting in church, and she starts sobbing uncontrollably. And it's like, what happened? And she's oh, I'm so sad about the dog. Uh, I mean, so... So for years, Jim, people didn't know how to handle this girl. Correct. Did the mother ever say, I, I just don't have control over her? I mean, she's incredibly oh, she's difficult. In, she's been in therapy for four or five years. I see. Oh, so she's going to come out and go back with that therapist? Well, they're, they're saying she's probably going to be in a, a day, a full-day program, five days a week, uh, where she'll go and be there all day and then come home at night. Day treatment. Yeah, I used to work in those. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, let me let me give you this. Oh, that's stupid to say. That's I'm going to give you this, so that was just a filler sentence. I shouldn't have said it. Don't be afraid necessarily of those diagnoses you're looking at it and you're thinking boy oh boy that's serious sounding stuff bipolar rapid cycling borderline personality disorder which is which is one of the more overall maladjusted personality disorders and a history of impulse control problems this poor girl's a mess I would 
I'd formed the best relationship with her that I could as her grandfather. I'd go to breakfast with her or I'd go out to eat with her. I'd spend some time with her. I'd take her to church with me, uh, do things with her. That's Your presence is probably the most therapeutic thing that you can give her. There isn't any... Okay, let me reassure you on this also. Don't be nervous about what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't use the right words? What if I step somewhere where I don't know where I'm going to step? You start worrying about that, Jim, and you're not going to be the natural, loving grandpa that you want to be. The first thing you do is you look at this 18-year-old granddaughter as your granddaughter. And you will relate to her as you can because she's your granddaughter first and she's bipolar, BPD, and ADHD way second. Still there. I'm still there. I just I was letting that sink into you. Okay. The other thing is this. I can't in any way question those diagnoses, and I won't. But as a general rule, I will tell you this. When someone goes to a therapist or they especially go to an inpatient setting they're going to get diagnosed. Labels are going to be there. And sometimes those labels are piled on top of each other. And the people around those folks who get so labeled become nervous. It's like, uh-oh. This, the, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. This, this, isn't, uh, this isn't a normal human being we're dealing with. Uh, we we got to watch. We got to watch how we deal with them. We got to watch how we talk. We got to watch how we think. We got to watch what things we say. We got to watch where we question. We got to, and you get, you just don't become natural anymore. That's not good. I'm sure your granddaughter still has an awful lot of the settled, stable sides of her personality left. You know that. She probably loves her grandpa. So, you just be a grandpa. She has good, caring parents. Yeah, there you go. Do they have other children, too, so this one is distinctly different from the other children? Yeah, they have a, another daughter who's about a little more than a year old, younger. And okay. the other, she's like super achieving, uh, high, 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 high performance, <laughs> works outside, uh, has had a job since she was 14. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of it too, Jim, and, and I'm, I can't say this is the case with uh, with mom and dad here, but part of it is when you have an easier to raise, a much easier to raise other child, you you become more confused by this more difficult kid. You just do. The easier to raise child you view as normal parenthood. As a matter of fact, even pleasant, competent parenthood. Look at that. Look at how well she's doing. We must be good parents. But when you have a kid like this, my daughter was like this. My daughter was by far, 
in her adolescent years. My, my children are adopted, so she had a very bad early history. She started manifesting all kinds of oddities in her personality early on, early on. When she hit adolescence, all heck broke loose. So, so in fact, comparing her to some of the other kids was dramatic. My wife and I knew enough to say, all right, well, we got to deal with her straight on as she is who she is. But I see a lot of parents, when they have a, a kid who responds well to their parenting and the other one doesn't, they become very flummoxed. They become very confused. They become very unsure of themselves. They lose confidence. They perhaps can struggle with discipline. They don't know how much they're supposed to discipline, how much they're not supposed to discipline. Is this kid special needs, et cetera, et cetera. So I do see that dynamic somewhat. Uh, I guess I'm saying, Jim, have the parents deal with her as their daughter as opposed to a bunch of letters. 877-57-EQUAL. with Teresa Tomio. I encourage you to look at a report that came out several years ago by Americans United for Life. It's called Unsafe. And this idea, it's something else that has been pushed out there by the media and by Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations, that there are all these safety measures that were put into place when Roe versus Wade became legal. But as Father Frank Pavone and so many others say, abortion never, ever, ever changed, really. It went from the back alley to Main Street with little or no restrictions or protections. Many of the independent abortion facilities are less regulated than your local nail salon or hair salon. The fact that they have to quote unquote work on their messaging shows that we are making a difference. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. A second opinion is when a physician, other than the one currently responsible for your care, reviews your medical records and any test results in order to assess, diagnose, and recommend treatment for you. You have the right and don't need to give a reason to seek a second opinion. And many people do so to simply explore options. You may want to get a second opinion when... Your current physician's recommended treatment doesn't reflect your pro-life values. You want to learn about other possible treatment options and assess risk and benefits. You don't feel that the current healthcare facility is best equipped to handle the treatment. A 2017 study by the Mayo Clinic found that 88% of patients that received a second opinion had a new or refined diagnosis or treatment plan. It very well may pay to get an alternative viewpoint to ensure you get the best care possible. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. You've heard of the incredible shrinking man, that old, old movie. Tom Price knows that movie, probably knows some of the dialogue. I can't run anything by him. If I don't know a song and I say it, he texts me and he tells me the name of the song. He tells me the artist, tells me the year, tells me how old the artist was and they recorded it. However, Incredible Shrinking Man, well, I am the Incredible Manly Shrink. Little, little 
play on words there. Uh, just one thing before I go to Joan uh, from our big booming affiliate in Atlanta, Georgia. Very close. Matter of fact, next week on Wednesday and Thursday, we're heading down St. Gabriel Radio Turf in Columbus. Columbus is now the most populous city in Ohio. It, is, it dwarfs Cleveland. Cleveland was the sixth biggest population in the country in 1960. I remember that because I was, I used to be fascinated. Well, I was in the womb, but I was fascinated by it. So given that, if you'd like to be part of the audience, we're going to be taping the TV show there, Living Harvard Dr. Ray, season 14. I don't, I don't like looking back at season one and two. I got, who's that kid? Ouch. They're supposed to be able to make me look young with makeup. They're putting it on with a paint roller now, and it's still not doing any good. But we're down there. Ohio Dominican is where we're going to be shooting them. 5.15 and 7.30, I think, are the taping times on Wednesday night and Thursday night of next week. So it would be a, a week from this Thursday. If you would like to be part of the audience, there are still some seats left in a couple of the shows. So we would love to have you. Those folks there at uh, St. Gabriel are doing one bang-up job in getting folks going out onto the byways and getting people to come to the wedding feast. Hopefully they're dressed right. Who knows? But you can come to one, come to two. As I've always said repeatedly, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? As I've always said repeatedly, audience makes the show. Truly does. You folks, your level of enthusiasm, your energy level, you ask questions, you are part of bits. You're great. So we'd love to have you. Go to St. St. Gabrielradio.com, and they still got that ad running on how you sign up. It's pretty easy. Joan from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Joan. Hi, Dr. A. Thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to listen to you. <laughs> so <clears throat> I have a 26-year-old son. He is the, the youngest of four children. He had a <clears throat> psychotic break five years ago um, and was hospitalized for that. Um, there were two, there were a couple things going on. Um, he had been smoking an enormous amount of marijuana prior to that, uh, and perhaps other drugs also. Um, but it also came out uh, something that we had kind of suspected but couldn't confirm that he had um, been sexually abused when he was a child. Um, so although the hospital gave him a diagnosis of bipolar, um, after uh, some amount of therapy, it was felt like it was more of a PTSD psychotic break. He uh, was able to get back on his feet. What he did they, Joan, what did they say the trauma was? The sexual abuse. Well, maybe just remembering. No. The sexual abuse and maybe all the years of keeping it in. Was he a young child yes and it was a family member ongoing uh no so one time uh, a couple of times okay and so he was what five six seven eight 
Yes. Yep. All right. Okay. So they said on that basis, apparently um, what he told them was that uh, that that had been eating at him psychologically for years. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. You're giving me a good, good, quasi, so quick he, history. He, um, he, he stopped taking medication because uh, he said it made him feel weird. And he did okay for a couple of years. Not great. Uh, he was able to finish college and um, he was able to get a job. It was not really thriving, but I could not get him to continue with any therapy or uh, even consider medication. Um, he had another break a couple months ago, so that would be five years from the first break. What was this the break like, break, Joan? What was the what was the break like? What were the main symptoms? Um, he was hallucinating. He was um, well at first when they when my other children first called me because he called them first and they went and got him. First, he he wasn't talking. And then when I got him back to my house and he started talking, he was hallucinating. And what I didn't understand until afterwards is that he was actually talking to, uh, he thought he was a god, small g god, who was conversing with other small g gods about how to keep his family safe. And he thought that the house that we were in was a particularly good bunker to keep us safe. And he was having those conversations, which I didn't really realize at the time. He was also very manic, um, uh, you know, very talking very fast. But um, and then he would go from that to to just, you know, uh, rolling up in a ball and crying and being very scared. Um, So although I wanted to avoid it, we we put him back into hospital and and um, I had had some inkling that there might be some mania in the previous couple months. Um, so you was, saw what they call prodromal signs, a little little indication yes. that the momentum was building. Yes, yes. So uh, we do now you know if he was? Do you know if he was using? Yes. He was using. Correct. Yes, he was. Well, that could be good news in a, in a sort of perverse way, and I'll explain here in a moment, but please please go ahead. So did the hospital stabilize him? The hospital stabilized him. Um, it's, it's pretty clear that, you know, that bipolar is his diagnosis. Um, they put him on bipolar medication, and he seems to have steadied out. We have found a good psychiatrist to work with him. My issue is he is very anxious to get back to his life, and his, his by his life meaning employment, um, because he considers himself a total failure for having had two psychotic breaks, and if he can't support himself, then, you know, what, of what worth is he? I think it might be a little early for him to try to go back to, it's actually not going back to employment, he left his previous employment, then had the break, and now he's gotten new employment. But I think it might be a little too early for the stress of all of that. Um, and I'm just, it's very difficult to navigate that with an adult child. All right. 
Stay right there, Joan. That break tells me I have to shut up. You stay right there. Um, I'll give you some thoughts here on the other side. This is Dr. Ray. This is not E-Person. This is Talk to Me Person. 877-57-EQUAL. Father Benedict Rochelle. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinction. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing him. All humans are created in the image of God, and we are made for loving relationship with our Creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. And those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in his mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Because this is not E-Person Monday, and we're really trying to drive people to call, uh, we're giving uh, free callback coupons. Yeah, your your first call, um, well, of course, whatever the cost of that first call is, but the second call, if you call a second time, it's free. So we do have the free callback coupons going today, today only. Talking to Joan from Atlanta, Georgia, interesting history for her son. 26 years old, psychotic break at age 21. Uh, history of, uh, thankfully, a sh- short-term history back when he was a, a young child of uh, being sexually abused. I didn't get into the details of uh, what that was all about. But he had a psychotic break at 21, was stabilized for a couple of years, actually, went to college, functioned pretty well. And then uh, just recently had a second one where he became very agitated, uh, emotionally what we call label, L-A-B-I-L-E, which means your emotions kind of just go all over the place. And he was hallucinating and he was delusional. He was uh, talking to, he was a god, small god, and he was talking to other small gods 
and uh, his hallucinations were auditory and within the context of a psychotic delusion. Jones' question is, I'm nervous. He wants to go out, be independent, get back on his feet. He wants to work again. I'm not sure he's ready. Still struggling with anxiety. Self-image has been blown because he thinks there's something really terrible wrong with his persona because he had those two breaks. Joan, you still there? Yes. Did I capture it? Yes, very well. Thank you. A couple of things. There's more and more research coming out, and, and there's no way to make this diagnosis, and I wouldn't presume to make it here. More research is coming out that marijuana is dangerous. That in a percentage of cases, depending upon what's in the marijuana, depending upon the potency of the marijuana, it can lead to outright psychosis. Uh, this is this is not your your daddy's 1960s marijuana. The THC content is much higher, and it's oftentimes mixed with some nasty stuff. So we don't know that. Um, you are convinced that the bipolar diagnosis is correct, which means this for your son is something that is cyclic in his brain. But the medication seems to stabilize it, which is wonderful news, except he doesn't cooperate necessarily with the medication. Now, he didn't like the way it made him feel. Obviously, he's got a psychiatrist now. If he tells that to the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist can tinker with the medication or try other antipsychotics. Here's, I think, where you can help your son. To emphasize, now I don't know how he'll respond to this, but you can at least say it. This has nothing to do with who he is as a person. Is he a religious kid? No, he was he, he was raised in the Catholic faith, but uh, he has definitely moved away from it. All right. Has he moved away from God totally? No. All right. Well, you could at least come from the perspective of because he's a child of God, he's infinitely valuable, and whether he had a psychotic break is meaningless to God's love. has nothing to do with it. Nothing whatsoever. Right. Uh, if he says to himself, well, there's something weak in me, there's something broken in me because I had those breaks. If, and I would assume that the people who treated him would explain to him that this is a biochemical process. We don't quite understand it, but we do know enough to say that something in the brain is not working right, and it isn't because of some deficiency in his personality. could happen to you. It could happen to me. could happen to anybody. And that's what he's got to understand so that he doesn't continue to think. See, he's got two problems. One, he had the psychotic breaks, which was probably beyond his control, unless, unless... They were drug-mediated. Now, if he had a predisposition toward psychosis, would a drug certainly certainly do not help at all? All right? Not unusual for the drugs to trigger a psychotic break in someone so predisposed. So, in the sense that the psychotic breaks 
We're going to assume we're beyond his control. What is in his control is how he interprets them. If he interprets them as, I am a deficient human being. I am a weak, unstable wreck. Now now he's got he, now he's piling on top of himself is what he's doing. Is he doing that, John? Yes. Okay. I would hope a good therapist would help him understand that that thinking is inaccurate. I think it's not realistic. Just just as I'm um, a god talking to other gods is unrealistic. The thinking that I am a deficient, wretched, unlovable human being it may not be as <laughs> loss of contact with reality, but it's still unrealistic. So in that sense, there's a parallel between the two events. Yeah. Now, do you think he should be on his own? Uh, if, if, if he can be stabilized on the meds and he agrees to stay with the psychiatrist, then he's 26 years old, Joan. If he wants to do it, he can do it, right? How can you stop him? Right. Right. Maybe you can get a commitment from him. Are you going to two things? One, you got to quit smoking the dope and whatever else you're doing. And two, you got to stay with the psychiatrist. And if if you do those things, you got a pretty good chance of stabilizing out and pulling your life back together. And and he does he does definitely recognize uh, I, I was in a family therapy session with him at the facility that he was in where he said, you know, I know what I need to do because he his biggest fear is another psychotic break because he said they're, they are so scary that he doesn't ever want to be there again. And he said, and I know that I have can't smoke marijuana and I have to stay on my medication and those will be the best things that keep me away from psychotic breaks. So I, I do think he understands that. He just, um, I don't know at what point uh, real life is is too overwhelming for a person who is just coming out of a psychotic break. Well, the good news is he only had two, and they were pretty far apart. Yes. Uh, when, when you have someone who is what would be called chronic psychotic, they kind of move in and out of psychotic episodes ra- rather rapidly. All right, they're not five years apart, right. which which could indicate. And I, you can't you can't know. Only God knows this. We we psychologists and psychiatrist types have to give it our best judgment. Could indicate that in fact, the trigger is the drugs. Yeah, and that if he can stay yeah. off of them, he may never have another one. Or, and you tell him, you don't need to live in fear of this because worst case scenario, and tell him this, good therapist will tell him this, worst case scenario, if it happens again, we have the ability to stabilize you and then you can go on. It's like having a chronic illness. A lot of chronic illnesses, they, they can debilitate you until you treat them for a while, like something like MS. I have a lot of friends with MS, and they have periods of time where the MS affects them more than others. And either the drug treatment is tinkered with, 
or they do what they need to do and they pull out of that particular episode and resume pretty much normal living. And I think if you can tell him that, you give him hope, that's probably yeah. what you can best do for him. But let's let's get him out of this whole mindset of I'm a wretched failure and if it happens again, I won't be able to deal with life and I'm living under this dark cloud forever and ever and ever. We got to get him out of that mindset. Okay. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Joe. This is Dr. Ray. Ciao, Amici. Hello, friends. Teresa Tamio here. Ever notice that common sense isn't so common anymore? Each time we check our news feeds or turn on the TV, it seems the world is getting wackier. While we desperately need a return to basic common sense. And Rosie Posey, my mom, a street smart theologian from Jersey City, is just the person we need to help us restore it. So if you need a little bit more help with some common sense or know someone else who needs it, pick out my new book on our store, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, at AveMariaRadio.net's online store. Are you into setting goals for yourself? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Setting realistic goals is a practice we can all utilize. SMART, S-M-A-R-T, is an acronym that can help us keep our goals real. S is for specific. Narrow down your goals and make a deadline. M is for measurable. We live in a world that tracks numbers and data. Concrete numbers can help us track progress. A is for attainable. Sometimes we think too big or bite off more than we can chew. Be patient, Scripture tells us. Rome wasn't built in a day. The R is for relevant. Relevant goals can be determined through our own values. Stay dedicated to how God wired you and what you stand for. Finally, T. This is time-bound. Write down your timelines and deadlines to keep you on track and honest. Without these, it's hard to maintain success. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. It's Dr. Ray Garendi. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor's Inn. This is not E-Person. This is me-person. We talk to you and your calls. Had a couple today, rather significant calls regarding regarding psychosis or in the case of the 18-year-old granddaughter, what sounds like a perhaps borderline type psychosis. Hard to know. you got to know the history. You got to know when she was 13, 14, 15, 16, what was going on. Was there a buildup to this, etc.? One of the things that's really complicating the pictures, I get a journal called First Things. There was a psychiatrist who wrote, she didn't write the brief blurb, First Things did, quoting her. She made this observation. And she deals with a lot of uh, dual diagnoses, which are individuals who are misusing drugs terribly and also showing some signs of mental disorder. <laughs> Two go hand in hand. And she said she's seen a dramatic increase 
in this type of serious mental disorder among her patients who test positive for no drugs other than cannabis. I personally know of two situations very close in my social circle where cannabis was involved in a serious, serious, I won't say the details, but I said serious twice, acting out behavior. Both cases was chronic, long-term, long-term meaning, say, over a year, cannabis use, almost on a daily basis. So as we all just rushed ahead state by state by state by state to say, okay, let's make it all legal. Anybody wants to, come on, one and all. They won't change it. They won't look at it and say, uh, maybe we were premature. But Dr. Ray, medical use. Well, leaving, leaving that question aside, many of these states have made legal recreational use. In other words, you can if you want. And furthermore, essentially, there is no penalty for having marijuana or using marijuana. The question becomes, question becomes, is it as safe as everybody has said? So very, very, very often, ideology and reactivity runs way ahead of reality. But the problem is, and I've been alive long enough to see this firsthand, the problem is so often when something clearly was a bad societal decision reaping all kinds of ill effects, the movement to rid society of that decision and its effects either is very slow or it doesn't happen at all. I saw a quote. It said, an institution is more likely to collapse before it admits it was wrong. Have we not seen that? In our society, ideas that are now running things. If you look at the research, you look at what they're doing to our mental health. Off the charts in terms of suicide, in terms of deaths by despair, in terms of drug use, in terms of anxiety, in terms of depression, especially among the young people. But that's okay. We'll just we'll just follow the ideology wherever it goes, and we'll just ignore the realistic results. I used to say reality always wins, but now I think it takes a while to win. This is Dr. Ray. Thanks for joining me. Good Lord permit, and I'll see you tomorrow on this The Doctor Is In. Walk with God. Now that is a very protective walk. 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.